You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. everyone and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. I'm researching this uh, area for uh, between three to four years. At the beginning, I started uh, investigating uh, the entire field of medical uh, devices and specifically medical imaging devices. That's Tom Mahler. He's a researcher at Ben-Gurion University. The research we're discussing today is titled A Dual-Layer Architecture for the Protection of Medical Devices from Anomalous Instructions. And now, a word from our sponsor, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks, and optimizing operational efficiency. With Sixth Sense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals. Confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose Sixth Sense, visit SixthSense.com. As you know, uh, this uh, area is very much uh, uh, unattended and there are a lot of problems in it. And I did a a research that laid out about uh, 23 different attacks on medical imaging devices. Uh, This was uh, the initial research I did on this topic. Then once uh, we we discovered uh, the different uh, uh, vectors of attacks, I also wanted to try to find a solution to these attacks. Because just saying that there are attacks, it's not enough. I wanted also to try to find solutions. So this is one of the solutions that can be applied to protect from a wide range of attacks. Well, before we dig into your research, can you give us an overview of what sort of things are we dealing with with these devices? What kind of devices are we talking about and what are some of the concerns? Medical imaging devices, well, you can, you can take the approach that I presented 
to other medical devices as well. But if we're talking on, on medical imaging devices, this is a CTs, MRIs, ultrasounds, and uh, uh, such such devices, which has an architecture which I presented. Uh, I can also send you the presentation if you want. They have some sort of host control PC that controls the medical device uh, and sends instructions to the actual medical device. So if you're if you're thinking of a city device, so uh, I, I don't know if you if you uh, have ever been in a city device, a city scanner, but uh, basically you have a, a, the the control room uh, where a technician uh, sits and uh, configures the uh, the exam, and then the patient is placed on a, a mechanical bed that is moving. Uh, through the scanning, uh, the, through the scanning uh, procedure, and the scanner uh, rotates or does some uh, different uh, things depending on the technology. For example, CT uses X-ray radiation to scan the patients. MRI uses magnetic resonance to uh, uh, scan the patient, and ultrasound uses uh, uh, ultrasonic waves. But you can also think of other devices such as radiotherapy devices or a, a robotic surgery or basically any any medical device that, that has a controlling PC. Mm. So it's not it's not if you're thinking of a, a heart rate monitors or or, a, or cardiovascular implanted devices, it's it's not exactly this kind of device. I'm talking about a, a bigger devices that has some controlling interface. This is important for the architecture. Now, what kind of communications typically goes on between that controlling device and the scanning hardware? This varies uh, significantly between a, a ma different manufacturer and different devices. For example, in the city device, that uh, this is where uh, we tested our idea, they have a CAN bus network, which is similar to what you have in uh, in cars. In, in a, you know the uh, you know the can um, connection yeah yeah C A M yeah so it's, it's just the same the same connection you have in in the car or in other industrial control systems so this is just a regular input but it doesn't really matter because even if you have an Ethernet uh, connection or even if you have a, a even Wi-Fi connection it doesn't matter because uh, our I'll, I'll get into it in a few moments but our our idea is to monitor the traffic between this host control and the device so usually from what i saw in city devices and mris we're talking about can can bus connections but it can be it can also be uh, used when you have ethernet connections normal lan connections or if you have some other uh, wi-fi or even bluetooth connections I guess the question I'm I'm getting at is um, in a tip in one of these devices. Let's say that uh, the the uh, technician who's operating the device sends a a command to the device. You know, to uh, just make something up here. You know, set the power level to ten. Uh, is there some sort of back and forth between the device and the control computer that says, where the computer says, "Hey, set this to ten. The device says, "You know, got that ten. Do you really mean ten? And the control says yes, ten. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, this is an excellent question, and uh, let me let me give you a little bit more background. So the, the device, at least in a city, in city devices, once the the oper the technician uh, configures the the scan, then the device sends all the instructions at once. In a city device, it's called a gantry. A gantry is the physical scanner. That the patient patient is in, uh, sits into it. Mm. So 
uh, we, this is called the gantry. So the host PC sends the instructions to the gantry. Now, these instructions are com uh, uh, complete with all the information that it needs to do the scan. There is no really back and forth. There are some, some things that, that are back and forth, but not in the way that you mentioned. I mean, mm. there is no, not a lot of uh, uh, ver uh, validation. Mm. I'll say what, what validations exist and what uh, doesn't exist. The validation that, that exists are validations that are concerned with safety. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, medical devices needs to, needs to pass a lot of uh, regulations and, uh, and tests. So they pass safety tests that check that there isn't uh, too much high radiation mm. uh, or like you say, uh, too high of a power. But the important thing is that since these devices are used for a wide range of different scans, so within the safe, uh, the safe, uh, when I say safe in quotes, uh, within the safe uh, margin of the uh, allowed radiation or allowed movement, there is still a lot of gap. So uh, uh, let, let's say let's say a big patient uh, with a with a heavy weight is being scanned. He can be scanned in the same device where a, a, a child, which weighs uh, much less, is scanned. So it's the same scanner, and, and it can take it can take care of both patients. Mm. So uh, of course the the heavier patient will get more radiation. So if if you take this the maximum uh, safe uh, radiation and put it into a child. So this is not so safe. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And another thing is that uh, there is no validation for the question, is this instruction fit or matches this specific patient? But the only one who knows all the profile of the patient and uh, let's say uh, his gender, his weight. So the only one who knows it is, is the technician and he needs to configure the, the exam. So the device itself doesn't make this validation. It, the device doesn't know which patient is being scanned. So this, this opens up a lot of uh, different uh, attacks. And also, I, I also want to, uh, to add that a lot of attacks come from uh, uh, different sources. So we know that there are a lot of network attacks, like uh, the WannaCry attack propagated through the network and uh, infected device after device. The WannaCry attack is very important in the medical device because it's one of the biggest attacks that actually affected medical, medical uh, devices. So this is a, a, like a, a very big event uh, here. And I know that there are uh, different companies who, who, who offer network-based solutions. So they, they can scan the network, they can, you can put a firewall, you can uh, uh, maybe try to do uh, the IoT discoverability, you, um, you, you know, these kind of things, right? Right. Yeah, so the, 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 this means that the, uh, you, can, you can monitor the network, but the host PC itself is a very, very uh, closed system. So it's still a, a Windows a, a PC, a normal Windows PC, but they can't really install uh, endpoint security or even install updates to the computer mm. because let's say a city device comes one piece. It comes with the host and with the gantry and with all the servers. They are all supplied by the manufacturer and they are all past uh, all these rigorous validation regulations uh, that I mentioned uh, regarding the safety. So if you install an update, the manufacturer must make sure that this update didn't interfere with any other thing that may compromise the device and maybe may cause damage to the, to the patient, even if it's just a security update. 
Yeah, well, let's dig into your research here. I mean, you're, you're talking about a dual-layer architecture. Uh, describe to us what, what, what was your approach? So our approach was that you can protect the network, as I mentioned just now. You can protect the endpoint, but there is only a certain amount of protection that you, you can do on the endpoint because, as I said, you can't install a lot of things on the endpoint. So our approach is to put the protection system outside of the uh, host uh, control PC and even outside of the entire uh, city ecosystem or medical device ecosystem. And we are connected from one side to the host PC and from the other side to the gantry. So you can think of us as a, like a Wireshark sniffer, but we are doing, of course, uh, this analysis that I will mention uh, in a few minutes. But uh, we are monitoring the traffic and our approach doesn't require any change to the existing device. So if you own a city and you want to make it secure, you don't need to install anything on the network. You don't need to install anything on the PC itself. You can just take our uh, solution, which is uh, like a, a black box. You plug it in from one side to the host control, to the output of the host control. This output is supposed to go to the gantry. So instead of connecting it to the gantry, you connect it to our box. And then from the other side, our box connects to the gantry. And this way we can monitor all the traffic that passes through. Now, uh, I will, I will uh, explain, of course, the, the method uh, later, but it's important to know that, to, to understand that it doesn't matter where the attack came from. So you can uh, maybe do a network-based attack scenario, or you can uh, insert some kind of USB, a malicious USB to the host itself, or it can even be a simple uh, human error. We catch all these kind of things and you can't overpass our system because it doesn't protect from all kinds of attacks, but it protects from a, a very big portion of attacks. So if an attacker tries to, uh, like you uh, asked at the beginning of the interview, you asked uh, if, if, he, if he takes the power level, let's say to 10, or the radiation level, uh, uh, multiply the, radi the radiation level by 100. So this, the result of such an attack will be an instruction with too much radiation, and we catch this instruction, and by using AI methods, we can learn what are normal instructions and what are anomalous instructions, and then detect these anomalous instructions. Well, describe to us uh, the, the, the part of your approach here that's, that's utilizing artificial intelligence. Yeah, so this is the dual this is the, the dual layer. And why dual layer? Because we have two different layers who are aimed at protecting two different kinds of anomalies. So the first layer is the, the unsupervised context-free layer. And this, this layer is using unsupervised anomaly detection algorithms. And we use different kinds of algorithms, such as isolation forest, uh, KNN, K-nearest neighbors, uh, OnePlus SVM, and a, a different combination of these algorithms uh, using an ensemble uh, technique, an ensemble average technique. And we recorded uh, about, I think, 8,000 or, or maybe more instructions uh, from a real uh, city device. Uh, we did a collaboration with a manufacturer and a, and a hospital, and we recorded uh, over 8,000 instructions from uh, office of city device. And then we, uh, the first uh, unsupervised layer is learning uh, these instructions and try to find anomalies, which are, uh, let's say, out of the normal distribution of instructions. So if they are very uh, 
very weird instructions. For example, a very, very high radiation that was never sent before, or a very weird combination of, of parameters that, uh, uh, that doesn't make sense because they were never sent uh, like this before. And uh, this is the first layer. So the first layer tries to detect very, very uh, strange instructions. Uh, and the second layer is a context-sensitive layer, which uses supervised classification to uh, take the instruction and try to, to learn uh, instructions with the context of the patient being scanned and the context of the clinical objective for the scan. Mm. So this is the second layer tries to, to, to detect uh, instructions, uh, like I explained at the, at the beginning, uh, of, let's say, a, an adult being scanned while the actual patient is a, a child. So uh, we, want, we wanted to also uh, learn uh, the instruction with the context of the patient being scanned. This, this is why we have these two layers. And I just want to say a, two things about the, the data itself. So as I said, we collected over 8,000 uh, uh, instructions and they contain uh, over 200 different parameters. So this is a lot of, a lot of information of the scans. Now, uh, uh, the second thing I want to, to add about data is about the anomalies. So uh, you, can, you can think of how we actually tested this uh, idea because it's not easy to record, it's not easy to record data at all. It took us over one and a half years to uh, collect this data because each time we have to go to the, to the hospital and, and phys physically connect to the, to the device. And it's not, it's not like they allow us to come whenever we want and plug a USB and download everything. It, <laughs> there is a certain procedure, yeah. So it, it took us a lot, of, a lot of time. And the anomalies were even harder because, first of all, the, the hospital didn't uh, allow at all for us to uh, try to record uh, manual instructions on our own. So we had to, to collaborate with the manufacturer uh, of the city devices to uh, try to, we, we went to, to their uh, uh, development uh, uh, center and we, uh, we brought a, a certified technician which sat on a, a development uh, city, but a real, a real city, but which is being used for during development. And we asked this technician to try on purpose to, to generate uh, malicious instructions, like the maximum amount of level he could think of, or uh, the, move, move the engines as fast as the device can. So this is one kind of anomalies which we call uh, manual anomalies, which we recorded. We, we were able to record about 60 such anomalies. As you can imagine, this is a, a quite a long, a long uh, procedure. It took us uh, 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 several days and each time, it's a slow procedure because each time the, the city device actually does this instruction. Uh, now, at, at a certain point, the, the manufacturer told us that he doesn't like that we are, we are moving the, rotor, the motors so fast because he's afraid that the development uh, city will break. So we had to <laughs> stop with this kind of instruction. But, but at least the, the radiation, the, radi the maximum radiation was, uh, was okay. And uh, also we had another set of malicious instructions, which we, by chance, we caught certain instructions that were, were we recorded them during a maintenance procedure. So at a, at a certain month, this manufacturer came to the city, to the hospital that we, we work with and uh, did some uh, calibration and testing on the device, a, a, normal, a normal maintenance. But of course, a patient shouldn't be present during these uh, maintenance uh, instructions. So we also put recorded them 
and insert them into our anomaly set. You know, it's, it strikes me that um, this could be useful to, to the manufacturer as well because it could help them detect bugs and errors in their own system. Yes, uh, yes, of course. Uh, and for them, it could be useful in, uh, for, for much more. First of all, for cybersecurity, of course, this is why this manufacturer really liked our idea because he said that it's very easy to implement. He doesn't need to install anything. He ju- it's just a plug and play. He just take this uh, black box, puts it uh, in, his, in his device, and, and, it, and it makes his device more safe. And another thing, it can help them not only learn, uh, not only detect errors, but also learn, you know, like uh, business intelligence. For example, how many scans of certain types were, were done on this specific uh, uh, device? And then, and then they can say that, let's say, specific city scanner did a lot of uh, uh, head scans. And let's say these head scans highly affect certain parts of the device. And because this, uh, this uh, device did a lot of head tests, uh, then it needs to, to, to keep a maintenance of certain uh, X-ray tubes. So this is also something that could be very interesting for the manufacturers. It strikes me too that this could be very useful for, for something like an, an infusion pump. You know, I'm thinking about just preventing medical errors. And, and as you say, um, being able to gather data about when errors do happen, what are the circumstances under which they occur? Yeah, yeah, uh, I think I, I, I think so as well. And this is why the, I think that what really helps here is the second the context-sensitive layer of this uh, dual-layer architecture, because this, adding the context to the instructions, they don't do it. I mean, the manufacturers simply send instructions without any context. So if you add the insights you know about the context, you can, you can really do a lot of interesting things. Also in terms of optimization, uh, optimizing the instruction to, to better fit this specific patient being scanned, not just any patient being scanned. Are there any concerns with, for example, latency or, or availability? If, if uh, you know, the, the ability for these machines to connect to the device that, that you all have designed here, uh, is, it, is, is there potential for it to slow things down? Or, or you know, for example, if, if your system goes down for some reason, can the hospital still bypass it? If our system fails, uh, then the, ho- the hospital can always revert to the current situation that he has today without our system. So if there is some problem, you can just unplug our system, plug and plug the, the host directly to the to the gantry, and everything works the same. Mm. So so this this won't cause any problem in terms of latency. From what we uh, saw, uh, uh, analyzing one instruction is a matter of milliseconds. So I don't think it would cause a slowdown to the procedure itself. And also, uh, you can apply on the instructions simultaneously while the device begins its operation. A CT a city scan is not something that takes a millisecond. It's a procedure that takes, let's say, even one or two or three minutes. Mm-hmm. So if you if if you discover an anomaly after two or three seconds and you give the alert, so the uh, technician can can stop the device uh, uh, immediately and no 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 damage would be done because two or three th- seconds, even at the highest radiation wouldn't cause any problem. Now, we also uh, want to add in the future explanation to the system, which will also explain the anomalies and not just alert them. 
Regarding the explanation, I think here would be a bit, maybe a bit more latency because the explanation process is more slow, but we're, we're, we're not there yet. Our thanks to Tom Mahler from Ben-Gurion University for joining us. The research is titled A Dual-Layer Architecture for the Protection of Medical Devices from Anomalous Instructions. We'll have a link in the show notes. Don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk. Get the only solution that goes beyond reacting to threats with vulnerability and risk monitoring. You need the next evolution of MDR, and only Critical Start delivers it. Critical Start doesn't just monitor and respond to threats. They put you in control by detecting suspicious activities, quickly responding to contained threats, and identifying your most critical assets and protecting them against vulnerabilities and exposures. With continuous visibility, expert guidance, and measurable risk reduction, Critical Start has redefined what it means to manage cyber risk. Demonstrate provable security maturity to your leadership while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. The CyberWire Research Saturday is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. 